0: You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul Podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, Visit SwiftlySocial.com.
1: Hey, guys. Welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm super excited to have Amy Fields here today. So Amy is the owner of Hub Digital, and I'm very excited to have her here and to hear all about what she does and her entrepreneurial journey. So welcome, Amy.
0: Thanks, Melody. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what you do.
0: Sure. So I started a company called Hub Digital specifically geared towards helping um, small business owners and solo entrepreneurs learn how to market themselves online um, and or get help marketing online. A lot of times you sort of see kind of like ad agencies, these really kind of they have a lot of overhead. They have a lot of people working for them and only kind of big companies can afford them. So I wanted to create packages and opportunities for the small business owner to be able to get help with marketing and to be able to grow online and compete in the digital marketplace.
1: That's awesome. That is so needed because yeah, some of those really big agencies cost, you know, like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 and you're like the normal business owner cannot afford that. Exactly.
0: And I live in, I'm from Rhode Island. And so in Rhode Island, we are um, almost a majority of small to mid-sized businesses. And we have a really big problem competing with some of the larger companies that are in Massachusetts and Connecticut Mm. because they just don't, Rhode Islanders just don't have that kind of a budget. But that doesn't mean that they don't deserve to to make a big impact online. And so that's kind of really where I came in is to kind of guide people. I do a lot of education. We do manage some stuff in-house as well for those that just are too overwhelmed with their day-to-day to be able to do it themselves. But we really focused on a lot of education and just kind of helping small business owners push themselves and grow and sort of do things that they may not necessarily thought that they would be able to afford to do or be able to do in marketing.
1: Yeah, that's so needed. So how did you get started in this crazy entrepreneurial world?
0: Yeah, so I actually worked for a very large corporate Company. I don't know if you've ever heard of AOL, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked for them um, doing ad sales for, they owned um, a local, a series of local news sites called patch.com and it was all across the country. And so I worked for them doing ad sales originally. And when I first started, there wasn't a product to sell. So basically, we had to give a ton of added value. So we were trained, I have a degree in marketing, but we were trained in a lot of SEO work and digital marketing work. And so when we took people on as clients that purchased ads from us, We also handled a lot of their marketing. And then in 2014, the company was sold to an investment firm, which broke apart the company into little pieces and basically laid off 90% of the staff, myself included. And from, so I kind of was left sort of trying to figure out if I wanted to go back and get a quote unquote real job again, um, which I, which at that time it was kind of the deep recession. And I didn't know if I would be, you know, there weren't a lot of jobs available and I didn't know if I did start somewhere, if I'd get laid off again, and I didn't really want to go through that. And then I had a bunch of my clients at patch sort of left reeling after I got laid off because they were like, you did our marketing for us. You handled a lot of our social media and our SEO. So we still want you to do it. Let's figure out how we can pay you to do that in an in another way. And so that's kind of where I decided to go into business myself. And it's just kind of evolved from a more traditional kind of ad agency into a lot of the education and online products and all that kind of stuff over the past few years.
1: That's awesome. So what has been your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur?
0: Um, for me, it's actually right now is something it's something I'm going through right now. I, I had a lot of success really quickly in the beginning um, because I was single. I was hyper focused on growing my business and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours a day focused on my business. And then I got married and I had a baby last year. And that has been, I think the biggest challenge is having to drastically scale back the hours I can commit to running a business while trying to manage an eight month old who basically needs your attention 24 (laughs) seven.
1: So how do you make that work? Like what kind of boundaries have you set with life and work to make that happen?
0: Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, daycare is a godsend. It is <laughs> probably yeah. my the greatest thing on, on earth. And I've had to learn to not feel bad about my kid being daycare. She loves it. She has friends and she plays all day and she has a great time and they take her outside. So I, I at first it was tough because you feel like, you know, you should be the one taking care of them and that you should be there. and you know, are you a bad mom for driving them off at daycare? But I've really learned that this is the best thing for our family. And when I'm successful, she's successful. So that's kind of been really the first step. And then the second step, it's kind of the whole theme, I guess, of this past year for me has just been learning to be okay and being uncomfortable. So learning Mm -hmm. to be okay with putting her in daycare, which I was a little bit uncomfortable with, at first, but knowing that it was the right thing. And then also learning to be okay with an un- uncomfortable growth process for me. So knowing that um, I may not grow as fast as I want to, I may not be able to get products out as fast as I want to, um, that at pretty much four thirty, five o'clock every day, I have to be done. I have, I have to go pick her up and I have to be done. I can't be at my computer. It's just not possible. And just learning to be okay in that and that it will work out eventually, it will grow, I will grow as I as I can, but that I can't necessarily be in control of how that happens all the time.
1: Mm. So what was that growth like? Like, did you have to switch your mindset in terms of that? Or was it just a slow process of being okay with it?
0: It was a slow process. <laughs> for, <those laughs> of, for the people that know me know that I um, when I set my mind to doing something, I like to do it immediately. I don't like to take the, I don't like to take time. I don't like to go slow. I like to just sort of do it and get it done. And it's taken a really long time of sort of trying to do everything all at once and just failing and realizing that, you know, I'm not being, even though I'm spending a ton of hours at work, the hours that I was spending weren't good because I was exhausted from Mm, staying up all night with the baby. And that when I was with the baby, I was sort of had it gave her half attention because I was thinking about what I wanted to do at work. And I wasn't happy with that either. And so it finally just kind of, I think, hit ahead where probably at the end of the year, probably right around the holidays, where I just... sat down and realized that I can't keep going at that pace. I was sick all the time. I had like every single cold that you could possibly imagine. Mm. I felt awful. And I was, I was dropping the ball on so many things. And so I really had to settle down, set some strict hours of when I was at work and when I was with my kid and really devote a hundred percent of my attention to those things during that hours, instead of trying to split it all day long.
1: Yeah, it's funny. That it seems to be the message coming up today in all the podcast interviews: is you cannot do it all, and that's okay. And you you just need to learn how to do, like how to be okay with prioritizing and kind of doing your life differently. Exactly, and that
0: that's I think women, especially, were taught that you should do all of the things, mm-hmm. and yeah. that and that you should be good at all of them, and so to admit to yourself and to the rest of the world that you can't is a really, really hard thing to do. Yeah.
1: It's, it's so true. Like we're, we're told you're, you're super You can literally do it all. And that I'm here to tell you, that's exhausting. It it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So ladies, you you don't have to do it all. You, you can get support. You can delegate, you can time block. You don't have to be burnt out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think the other piece of that too, is I'm, I was
0: terrified. I, you know, a client could email me at any time of the night and I would respond. Oh yeah. And so I was terrified of this idea of if someone emailed me at, you know, four 30 and I had left for the day and I was with the baby and I didn't respond that they were going to be mad at me. And I had to just really be honest with everybody and say, listen, these are the hours that I'm at work. I have to go pick my kid up from daycare at 4.30. Unfortunately, I will not be able to answer your email until the next day. And everybody is okay with that because they all have families. They all have lives. They all have things to do and everybody understands. And I think especially as business owners or new business owners, we have such a, we feel such a pressure to kind of be over the top with everything. And Mm -hmm. um, people are way more understanding than you think that they are.
1: Did it feel like a breath of fresh air to have people be like, whatever, it's fine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it was, I kind of was like,
0: oh, all right. Or if there are days where she's sick and I have to be out of work and cancel meetings and, you know, people are much more understanding, I think, as long as you're honest with them and just sort of say, listen, this is a situation, you know, I'm so sorry. I wish I could come in or I wish I could do that, but can we reschedule? And almost everybody understands all the time.
1: Yeah. And if they don't, they're not the right client for you. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I
0: always try to bring up, especially when I have a new client meeting, I just really, I try to do it subtly, but I try to bring up the fact that I have a baby and that, you know, things are crazy and that I can absolutely take them on as a client and here's what I can do. But I try to also be really realistic with their expectations and what you know what I have space for at that time and if they're looking for more than that then I can direct them in a a different direction I can't do everything for everybody all the time
1: yeah that's a good lesson to learn and I'm glad that you finally figured that out because you would have literally driven yourself crazy
0: yeah I totally would have I think um Yeah, I was in such a place where I was just saying yes to everything. And I think when you start your business, that's sort of the place you're like, okay, you want to, you want to do business with me? Yes. Yes, I will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and you have to learn that not everybody is a right fit and that it's okay to say no sometimes, although, you know, you may want the money or it may be a cool project. If it doesn't, if you can't give it a hundred percent or if you're going to be overworking or you're going to be overstepping your boundaries, then it just doesn't make sense to do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's been one of my biggest lessons is the power of no, Mm -hmm. because women, as women, we do not say no enough. We try to please everybody, like you said, and it's okay to say no to things that don't feel good or don't make you happy. Exactly. Or even
0: if they do make you happy, it just, in the long run, you just know it's not a good fit Mm -hmm. for yourself.
1: Yeah. And listen to your intuition. If it doesn't feel like you're supposed to do that, or if it doesn't feel like it's going to work for you, don't do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So do you have any sort of morning routine that you do to kind of start your day on the right foot?
0: My morning routine is
1: is a little <laughs> bit of a, I never really, you know what? I'm
0: not a morning person. I hate the morning. And this has actually been something I've struggled with too, because I feel like you see all these things about like business owners and entrepreneurs and like, CEOs and all these really successful people—they get up at like four in the morning and they exercise and then they have their shake and then they do answer all of their emails and then they're in the office by seven—and that just is not anywhere realistic for for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it all kind of depends on my schedule for the day, and then you know, right. What's been happening recently is the baby's been getting up um, probably like five thirty-six, and I just kind of have loved to just sort of grab her and I stick her in bed with us and just to kind of lay with her, you know, till we're ready to get up for the day and we have to get up for something. That's kind of been probably my new favorite way to start the day. And it just all kind of just depends on when we feel like it, (laughs) when we feel like getting up and get going.
1: That's good. Yeah. I love that answer because it's so honest. Like I've been asking everybody that same question just because I'm really interested to know people's routines. But I like that you were honest. You were just like, well, it's kind of a disaster, but all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I usually just kind of lay in bed, and then I pre- then I remember that I have some early morning call or a meeting, and so then I end up running around like a psycho, trying to get ready and to get to her ready and get everything done on time. But, you know, I, I try to look at it, too, as, like, you know, there's always – hours when she's sleeping and I can make up for stuff or there's always time to make that stuff up, but she's only going to be this young once. And there's going to be a time where she's going to think that it's lame to come and cuddle with me. So I'm going to take advantage of it now while I
1: can. So if you had one piece of advice for uh, a female entrepreneur who's listening, who either is just getting started or just it's in the idea phase, what would that be from your experience?
0: Um, I think it goes back to that kind of saying no piece. I think in the beginning Yes, especially if you're brand new you have to prove yourself and you may take on projects at a lower cost You may take on you know projects that aren't necessarily, you know 100% your favorite But that could be good for your portfolio But I think as you grow is just to really Keep in mind, um, what you're worth. I think a lot of times we Mm -hmm. undercharge as well especially in the beginning and i think that's okay i think it's okay in the beginning to undercharge because you're just starting out and i i think that to offer discounts or offer things at a lower price because you're brand new and you don't have any history is completely fine but i think as you start to build that is to not get stuck in that constant like undercharging piece and to really know you know how much your experience is worth and as you grow and you take on more projects how much that's worth and not don't be afraid to ask for that And then don't be afraid to say no to something either A, that you don't want to do or B, that someone isn't going to offer you your value to do. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that is such good advice because I definitely was stuck in that undervaluing myself rut for so long. And it's still a struggle because Mm -hmm. you kind of get used to wiggling on your prices or bending, again, to please people because you're like, oh, you seem really nice. And I, I mean, I can't you can't afford this, but maybe I'll, you know, chop off 20% or something. And then you're like, wait, no, like, they just don't want to pay that because they don't value me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Or um, like, I've, I've really learned to kind of set minimum contracts, too. So people can't sort of like wiggle out before we've really gotten things started. Um, And so and I've had people push back and say, well, I don't want to sign up for that long. And I say, okay, then, that, then you don't have to, you don't have to work with me, but this is the we set this minimum contract this is the price that we set it at. And I, you know, as long as you, obviously you're nice about it, a lot of people respect that they, you know, you wouldn't walk in. I say, I use this analogy all the time. Like you wouldn't walk into a department store and say, well, I'm not going to pay $30 for this shirt, but I'll give you 15. They would laugh at you until you <laughs> tell you to leave. And so it it's a little crazy that I think sometimes people think that they can do that when you present them with, these are the prices, this is what it costs. And they think that they can kind of come back and say, well, I don't want to pay that. I'm going to give you half of it. And I think if you just sort of stand strong and, and confident in what you're offering and in what it, the value is, I think a lot of people end up coming around and realizing, I think they're more apt to take it than you think. And if they don't, then they then it's like you said earlier, they're not worth
1: working with. Yeah. But yeah, that was definitely a learning curve
0: for me, for sure. Oh, me too, for sure. It took me a long time to get here. And mostly it was just because I was tired of working so much for not a, a lot of money.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I was literally like making peanuts because I did not value. But again, it's like you said, you have to kind of build that credibility online and kind of get your name out there with not making less money but eventually you have to scale
0: up. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a grind. There's absolutely a grind starting a small business. And, um, I don't think you can go in and charge premium rates for the beginning. I mean, at least that's been my experience. And I think the people that in the very beginning are willing to work with you, they're putting a lot of trust in you because you don't have sort of case studies and you don't have testimonials and you don't have this background to fall back on and prove that you're worth it. But It's exactly the same thing at the same is once you do have that and you have kind of ground it out and hustled and, you know, built yourself up, then absolutely it's time to take a step back and say, look at all of this. Look at what I've done. I'm worth so much more.
1: Absolutely. Well, if anyone wants to connect with you online, where can they find you? Sure. So my website's
0: um hubdigitalmarketing.com. So all of my contact information is on there. Um I'm on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, basically everywhere at Hub Digital Marketing. And then you can always email me at Amy at hubdigitalmarketing.com. That's I get tons of, you know, even just people that have questions or want to, you know, learn more or maybe you are stuck with something. Um, I'm always open to emails.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been so much fun.
0: Yeah, this has been a good time. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, I hope that everybody gets as much out of it as I did. So,
0: Oh, yeah. great.
1: All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.